0: Welcome in to the Best Coast Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I am gonna host today, but I am joined by Brandon. I still feeling a little under the weather, but how you doing, Brandon? Oh, I'm good. I still sound terrible, but it's good to hear. It's good to be here. Good to be here. Well, I'm glad you're gonna be able to help. Uh, you know, help people uh, figure out what to do with all of this news coming out. We're doing a special uh bonus episode because of the trade deadline and the 10 trades that happened today and we uh we brought along a friend with us uh how you doing johnson thanks for joining us
1: the trade madness episode hey how's it going guys
0: man it was a crazy crazy day my phone was going off all day non-stop so uh, I'm really excited to get in and talk about some of what happened today and we have some opinions from our, our, our normal Josh who's usually with us. My brother uh, wanted to talk about what the heck the Packers are doing not trading for a wide receiver and he also thinks that if they just recognize that they're bad and they're not going to win and that's why they didn't get a wide receiver then why are they not trading AJ Dillon.
1: Is it possible they just believe in Romeo Dobbs? Is that just the beginning, middle, and end of it? Maybe well, Christian Watson Chris-
2: could get healthy? <clears throat> That's what the thing is I think they wanted Christian Watson back, and then he left with a concussion. You know, I think maybe they have some faith in these young guys, and they're just chalking it up and don't want to give up the draft capital. But, man, you could have got, I-, I think, Claypool for as cheap as he went. I mean, I guess it wasn't super cheap, but you know, Claypool could have really helped them, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, I think so too. But my thought with Claypool was, you know, last year they had Devonte Adams and if they couldn't get it done with Devonte Adams and they're looking the way they have so far this year, what does Claypool change? You know? So, True. you know, I, I don't get it. I, I think Packers fans are probably frustrated that they absolutely refuse to like spend anything to go get a wide receiver to help their, you know, hall of fame quarterback do anything. But, uh, it's you know uh, it's what they decided to do so what why do you think they're not trading AJ Dillon when it looks like you know they've got a rough road to be a playoff team this year
1: I think they want to put the best 11 guys out there and the best 11 guys are Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon I think they developed a lot of packages in the offseason to put those guys in the best position to succeed it hasn't yet I think their OC has a lot to answer for and uh I I think moving forward, that's that's the position they want to do. They want to put both running backs out there and they wanna just pound the ball and use good defense. And their secondary is terrific. The rest isn't.
2: And it's been banged up. You know, that's hurt them as well, but they've just been in such negative game script that AJ Dillon hasn't been able to be used. And I don't think they expected that going into the season. I think they thought they were gonna be able to use both of them more.
0: I think so as well, and that's really what the fantasy community as a whole expected was that AJ Dillon and and Aaron Jones were going to be really leading this team, and it, it you know it's worked out for Aaron Jones who's been great for a long time, but it hasn't manifested at all for AJ Dillon so far. So, um, you know, I, I I agree with you guys that I think that's kind of the plan is they expect these young wide receivers that they drafted, even though they didn't spend up in the you know take a first rounder that they expect these guys to develop and that they still want to keep AJ Dillon out there on the field. And you know, the NFC is like, it's looking good right now, but uh, things can change quick in the NFL. So they, they probably still feel like they have a shot at, at being a wild card team, even if they can't win the uh, division, but there's, are still in the race there too. Falling back though, are the Vikings. Um, I, mean, I just
2: don't get why they look so bad against the commanders. And really they didn't look terrible against Buffalo. Like, it's, it's, I, I don't, that was just yeah. odd to me. Like they, their offense looked decent against the number one, you know, easily close to the number one defense in the league. And I just, I don't understand where that came from, you know. And if you listen to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he has a podium
1: after every game and he goes on the talk talk show on Tuesday and he was kind of breaking it down saying that they didn't do anything special. We just didn't deliver. We didn't make the plays we were supposed to. And that screams to me like there's no forward momentum. There's no incentive for this team to just go in and fix their issues. What was it, two years ago where he said, relax, and all of a sudden the team was back? That's not this Rodgers anymore. Rodgers doesn't seem to care.
2: I agree. Yeah, there's something different right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll we'll see how it plays out, but uh, no big moves for the Packers today. Let's get into the big moves that did happen. Um, and then we'll, uh, I have some opinions from Zach that, uh, I'm going to throw in as well as we get to these guys, but, uh, the Falcons added some help on the defensive side. They got Rashad Fenton for a conditional seventh round pick. So, uh, that's, you know, one of the smaller moves, but there were 10 moves today 10 trades it's the most ever on the day of a trade deadline and we wanted to cover all of them so uh the Falcons definitely need help on defense and uh this could be interesting going forward for a run first team that really wants to be that style um do you guys have any like major takeaways from this
1: he lost his job um he was traded for conditional seventh it's a very minimal move but honestly, uh, in, the Falcons just need bodies back there, you know, NFL bodies, and they need to improve their secondary.
2: So, uh, it's it's a low cost, low reward kind of kind of pickup. Something that's just helping them somehow still, you know, in this division, like they're winning their division right now. They are leading. They gave up a seventh round pick for just a little bit of extra help. I, I I think it's a great move by them, but it wasn't something that's going to cost them down the line anything too crazy so
1: and this one came in after the bell so we're doing a little bit of reverse order so it just yeah. kind of snuck in there right at the end
0: yeah um who wins that division i have no idea anymore
2: like I, football this year has been the oddest year i think i've ever watched um but falcons That would be just so crazy to me if the Falcons could actually pull it off. They just might.
1: The Falcons just don't seem to do what they want to do ever. (laughs) Whenever they really want to win, they lose. Whenever they lose, they they win. Whenever they want to lose, they win. So it's just, it's the most Falcons solution I could possibly imagine.
0: Oh man, to win this division, go to the playoffs, probably get smashed. And you know, not be able to get a franchise quarterback in the first round is going to be really, really tough for the Falcons fans. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Uh, Veteran Dean Marlowe returns to Buffalo. The Bills gave the Falcons a 2023 seventh round pick for the safety. And uh, he used to play in Buffalo. He was there from 2018 to 2020. So uh, he's familiar with the team, familiar with the coaching staff. Because uh, not a lot has changed there since uh, since 2020, you know they've. Uh, so he's, he's going to be familiar with that team, and uh, I think it's probably a pretty good move for you know this is already a really good defense, so they're just shoring some things up here. I don't think it really has any major impacts, you guys. No, but they also
2: um, were able to activate Tre'Davious White from from the reserve pup list, so they got a new safety, and they activated you know, Tredavius White. So that defense that's already been incredible just got better on yep. both of these.
0: That's amazing, man. Tradavius White is a heck of a corner. So that's that's huge for them. Um they they made another big move today. This one's a little bigger and gonna have a, a much bigger fantasy impact, I think. They uh they acquired uh Naeem Hines from the Colts for Zach Moss in a conditional sixth.
1: Cook owners so, are crying everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the contract situation is here, but um, that it definitely hurts James Cook in the short term. Uh, I don't know how it's going to impact him in Dynasty. We'll have to, you know, look about look at that a little more. But um, what do you guys think of this move? And what do you, what do you guys think of Naeem Hines or Zach Moss like rest of season?
2: Well, and also Singletary. Like, what does Naheem Hines do to Singletary, too? You know, I mean, is he just going to play a complementary role to him? Or are they both going to play? Or, like, what is what does Hines really do? I mean, they wanted that pass catching back. You know, they went after McKissick, and and now they got Naheem Hines. This is kind of what they wanted. So I
1: mean... Singletary is, in his best form, the dump-off option after the, the first and the second read don't work out. And that, like, defines Naheem Hines' career. <laughs> so there yeah. might be a little redundancy there, but, I, I mean, their role is already established. This might be a breather back, so they can just stick to that version of running the ball. Like, one or two times up the middle of the game, and the rest are these out routes, these sweeps to the right and left. And then these dump off passes that have been really working for them.
0: Yeah, I I would expect that he'll basically play the Naim Hines role, and that that is the role they've been trying to fill for a long time. And d- does this uh, does this really lower your confidence in James Cook long long term? Because uh, you know we kind of thought that that was why they drafted James Cook after they couldn't get McKissick. They were linked to uh, to some other guys in that similar mold throughout the off season. So, you know, are, are we expecting that Zach Moss is, or I'm sorry that uh, James Cook is basically a bust at this point. I mean, he's looked pretty good on really limited touches out there, mostly at the very us, end of games, but.
2: I think he just needs to develop is what this yeah. essentially tells us. And I don't think he losing dynasty value because his value is about the same in dynasty regardless, because he hasn't had much playing time. Like I wouldn't trade him right now. But they're in a win-now situation, and so they went and got a veteran to take care of the ball and to fill that role come playoff time for them.
1: Yep, I think that's exactly right. Bills are win-now. They see their window being wide open. Traditionally, windows are three years if you're not the Patriots. Uh, they They made a good move for a role that they see that they wanted to fill, and I I think that they, they believe they were one guy away and they might've gotten him. And, uh, Naheem Hines, Naheem Hines was the, the the darling of uh, camp. So Indy was really into him.
0: One of the bills coaches has already come out and said that, uh, if he played fantasy football, he'd be getting Naheem Hines on his team right now. So, (laughs) you know, it's, I think it was the offensive coordinator, but, uh, I, I don't remember. It was, it was just, you know, in a, a blurb on Twitter, but, it's interesting for sure for a team that absolutely hates running the ball to get a running back that doesn't really run the ball is probably a really good move. So uh, that I'm, I'm interested there. We're going to talk about him in the waiver wire section as well. Cause he's probably on a lot of waiver wires. Uh, how do you think this impacts Jonathan Taylor?
2: I think Dion Jackson just fits right in. That's what I wonder too. Like, you know, I mean I guess it's uh I guess it's good for Jonathan Taylor, but I think it also gives them more confidence in Deion Jackson too. Um we saw what he could do to fill in the role, but Jonathan Taylor that offense has just been disappointing this year. Like I'm gonna take the big fat L on saying that Pittman was gonna be a top five wide receiver because well, we've all seen there ain't no way that's happening. So they fired the OC today, right, Jordan? Yes they did.
0: Yes. So yeah, um, I I think it's going to, you know, give him a couple more targets a game. I think over the rest of the season, he'll probably see like a 1.5 increase per game in, in his targets or so. Something like that where, um, you know, just because they don't, like, there's just less incentive to take him off the field in a third down situation if he's, if he's good to go for it because they don't have a Naeem Hines to put in there. Like, Deion Jackson's not, the same, he's not Naeem Hines, you know, he's a, he's kind of a different dude back there who has the ability to, to be a pass catcher. Obviously we've seen that, but um, he filled in admirably on the ground as well. So he's uh he's a little different there, but I like Deion Jackson as well. But I think this raises the floor a little for, for Jonathan Taylor, at least I you know, I hope it does. I'm, I'm not a Jonathan Taylor owner anywhere this year, but you know, I think just, most fantasy owners are probably hoping for that.
2: I, I accidentally benched Jonathan Taylor last week.
0: And that worked out.
2: <laughs> I did. I didn't even realize that I benched him in our Best Coast <laughs> Dynasty League.
0: Did I you just forget to... A... I didn't take him out of IR. Oh, man. Yeah, that's even... all
2: you need to say about his season, right? Yes, yes. That's exactly, you know. I was talking to Zach, you know, the other Zach, uh, about, about Jonathan Taylor and... You know, you looked at his team when he first drafted, and honestly, we thought his team was going to go in a completely different direction. And there's been some disappointing first round picks this year.
0: No kidding.
1: I think Jordan hit it on the head the last podcast where he said their offensive line is in shambles. Uh, They operate a lot like my favorite team, the Niners, where there's One guy who's just been the crux and the uh, pivotal point for everything that they need to do on the offensive line. And he's just been taking injury after injury. uh, And I think it's really affected uh, Taylor's ability to, you know, get to the edge, break through the interior. What made him so special was he would do just those run through the A gap, run through the one gap, and just be gone. It, it was, that was it. That was the entire, that was the entirety of the offensive play calling and Jonathan Taylor took it over. That's just not who he is this year. I, uh, I think with the off- offensive coordinator being fired, we, they, we might see a resurgence of that if the offensive line can get their stuff together.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, well, thanks for that DAP right there. Appreciate that. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll, uh, We'll move on to some of the other big trades because we got quite a few to get to, and then we'll talk some waiver wire. But, man, uh, it's going to be exciting no matter what to see you know another weapon added to that Bill's offense. And uh, we'll see if Zach Moss does anything uh, in Indy, but I wouldn't be expecting that. I think so. he's going to be third string. Yeah, yeah I... he's probably behind Deion Jackson. I think that's the guy yeah. to own behind Jonathan Taylor now for sure. Um, so Broncos acquire a pass rusher, Jacob Martin. Uh, they sent a fourth round pick in 2024, uh, for Martin and a fifth round pick also in 2024. Yeah. They
2: used the fourth round pick that they got from the dolphins in the trade that sent Bradley Chubb, um, to the dolphins for a first round pick and chase Edmonds and a fourth round pick. And then we turned around and sent that fourth round pick to uh, get um, Jacob Martin. So, okay, that's how that all kind of took place.
0: Trying to find a, a cheaper replacement for Bradley Chubb. Let's hop to that trade actually, because uh, that's you know huge news. Bradley Chubb uh, dealt by the Broncos to the Dolphins. As you said, they're like all in on this season for sure. Um, They sent Chase Edmonds, which is interesting because the Broncos really need some help at running back. I don't know if he's better than Melvin Gordon, but it's at least interesting. Uh, And they also send a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick. Uh, They get a 2025 fifth round pick back with Chubb. So uh how do you guys feel I mean obviously the Dolphins defense we expect to improve it might take a little time as he gets you know used to the scheme and everything there but he's he's an impact player on that line it's really going to help them there but what do you think of Chase Edmonds and uh and how that's going to affect the uh the backfield for the Broncos
2: well so far they've already said that Melvin Gordon is still going to be the starter um but I nobody's really moving the ball well as far as the running backs go. You know they're maybe getting fifty yards now. They both are getting in the end zone in Murray and Gordon. You know they're they're finishing in the end zone. So you could see Chase play that third down role. Um, you know you could see Murray and Gordon splitting the first and second down role, and then Edmonds playing the third down role, which I think could actually be really big for him and might have some fantasy. You know, value here. I don't say drop any of the three as of right now because we have to see how this is going to play out, you know, going forward. But um, it's definitely something to keep an eye on, I think.
1: I mean, a three headed monster in a bottom five offense is a scary
2: proposition, right? Yeah. Hey, they're going <laughs> to figure it out eventually. We scored three touchdowns for the first time since like 2017, I think, 2018. But, Pretty exciting, I mean, right? Yeah. Has wow. anybody been given more opportunities
1: with less production than Chase Edmonds?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. This is true. He's he's not all that exciting. I mean, he's been behind Raheem Mostert almost all year. Um, mm-hmm. Mostert's looked pretty good in that Dolphins offense. So I think this definitely adds confidence that. You know, the, the Dolphins want to run with most or they want him to be the guy back there. And they were comfortable enough to move Chase Edmonds to, to you know, say that he's their guy. So uh, that's pretty wild because they, you know, went out and bought Chase Edmonds as like the first one of the first players who was signed to a contract this offseason. Yep. First running
1: the very first signing in the uh, beginning hours of free agency. So them moving on this quickly is kind of shocking. Uh, I think the fantasy implication is Miami defense up, um, Denver defense kind of middle. They 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 replaced uh, Jacob Martin, which is, I mean he's a guy. He's not Bradley Chubb, so he, he he'll slot in there. I, I don't think Denver takes a major step down. I think Miami takes a big step up. I think the reason they've been in these shootout games is they just can't get to the quarterback. Every single Miami game, you're just it's a, it's a clean pocket, like every single down. And if Chubb can get some pressure and stay healthy, uh, Miami should just feast moving forward and really start hitting the quarterback.
2: Yeah, this this is this is bigger for them uh, than it is at all for Denver in any way. I mean, Denver got the first round pick they wanted, but. This is massive for Miami, and um, if he stays as healthy as he has been has this season so far, um, it's big. The Jacob Martin trade was just a placeholder essentially until Gregory and Baron Browning come back, and then Jacob will just be a a a backup essentially. But Baron Browning and, and Gregory are both hurt right now, so this is just kind of somebody to have out there until those two return. So,
0: gotcha. Um. So after they, you know, get rid of Chase Edmonds, the Dolphins did uh, send a fifth round pick to the Niners in exchange for Jeff Wilson Uh, Niners, obviously just acquired Christian McCaffrey two weeks ago. So uh, they, you know, get rid of a little depth here. They've been drafting some running backs in the last couple of years. So they have a few guys there to use. I think, uh, you know, this, this makes me think Ty Davis price moves up a little bit as a backup there for the Niners Jeff Wilson, obviously, is going to be the Dolphins backup to uh, to Raheem Mostert. So those are interesting guys to own. Uh, Raheem Mostert's you know dealt with injuries throughout his career. So I think Jeff Wilson's a guy you probably want to put on the back of your roster if you have a, an available spot just heading into a Sunday. Um, Absolutely.
1: Mostert could get hurt in the first play, as he is known to do. Uh, every single Niner running back, you can put an asterisk and say, has known to have injury issues <laughs> as a Niner fan. That's, that's kind of our, our bread and butter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert just made magical music together for years and years in the Niners backfield. And, yeah. uh, it was the core and the heart of our running game for a really long time.
0: Yeah. They've been uh, very so good. So I really like um, them back
1: together. I think they complement each other really well. Let's see. So uh, it, it's going to be like a 70, 30 time split. Most likely, once Jeff Wilson gets on top up to of that, speed, but see, he's, we'll, used we'll to we'll to he's used one, to him, but, guess, uh, that offense. He's used to too covered games. The Falcons and, trade Calvin uh, Ridley to the
0: Jaguars. And
1: uh, I think that he'll just what be a really good What do you really guys think sub. of this? And because this is really interesting. There's like... A possible league winner as a backup if... Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley's obviously
2: there. not going to play this yeah, year. There's a ton of weird conditions with this trade. I don't know who that was, but that was me. But what does this tell you about uh, Elijah Mitchell, does that mean that he's getting closer to becoming off IR? Cause I heard that he's now eligible to return from IR and he's been working out on the sidelines. So Johnson, have you heard anything? Do you think that he's going to be activated soon as a backup to CMC? So, uh, the
1: coach and, uh, Mitchell himself said that he's back after the bye week So, um, you know, the, both of those are known liars. Players always want to play Coaches always want to kind of tell you whichever thing they give it gets them an the advantage, but uh, all signs point to yes, he'll be back, and uh, he'll probably sub into that role right behind CMC. Okay, he'll take the Jeff Wilson role that we saw this weekend.
2: Yeah, uh, oh, looks like we might have lost Jordan. Yeah. So the Falcons also uh, made a trade um, with the Jaguars. They traded Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. It's probably the most extensive um, conditioning for a trade that I've ever seen. I was talking to somebody in a a Twitch chat earlier tonight. They were asking about the trade, and he was like, what did he get traded for? And I was like, well, (laughs) it could be a sixth or a fifth or a fourth or really, it could get all the way down to a second. And he's like, are you like like Are you joking? And I was like, so no, like I'm dead serious. Weird it kind of just this, uh, all depends. Uh, Calvin Ridley so he's got to gotta get Jaguars. reinstated by a certain um, date in like you know, February. And then it's worth a, a fifth round pick.
0: And then Otherwise, if, he the if he makes the team in 2024, it's a fourth, it's fourth round fourth. pick. Uh, and then as long as he, he plays a certain amount of games, it's a third. And then if Jacksonville is able to sign to a long-term deal, then it's a second round pick. So, so have any impact this, this is year? A kind of but uh, a crazy uh, what do you think of that? Uh, um, I mean, I
2: would imagine that, that they want to get a long-term deal done with him. I think he's have, the wide receiver you know, Ridley, one that they Christian need to
0: uh, take the main that two pressure off there. of Kirk. What do you think And I think, think it would actually Jack's really help Kirk offense. next year
2: and help that offense in general. Uh, we've seen that ETN is coming along and playing really, really well. Um, I think this could, you know, make moves for the whole thing.
1: I mean, Ridley was groomed as the heir apparent to Julio Jones, right? Uh, He stood behind him, he watched him play, and he became the touchdown monster that Julio never could be. I think that Ridley is immensely talented, incredibly diverse in his skill set, runs incredible routes, and he just wins at the point of catch. Like, uh, that's just, that's his game. So I think Jacksonville gets a steal here for a very low opportunity cost against the, the Falcons. And I think the Falcons try and get out from under a, a kind of an ugly situation that that might have been. So uh, I, I think it's a win all around for both teams. Uh, Jaguars kind of are packing it in this year, it sure sounds like. Whereas the Falcons are getting off some a, a, a later contract, um, and they can also kind of see what the future is in store for what guys they have in town right now keep feeding pets. keep feeding drake
2: yeah I, I agreed yeah um yeah the let's see another the steelers made a couple of trades today the steelers are acquiring william jackson the third from the commanders uh they will receive a, a 2025 conditional seventh round pick as well but washington gets a 2025 conditional sixth round pick uh yep. this is just kind of to to help out the defense a little bit on on that side for them. Um, But they also traded a wide receiver, Chase Claypool, to the Bears. Uh, The Steelers will receive a second-round pick for Claypool. Uh, This is, you know, pretty interesting. It wasn't what – I didn't think the Bears were going to be in the market for Claypool. I mean, what do you think this does for them? I mean, we've seen their offense starting to get a little bit of an uptick uh, recently. And – I think Claypool operates as a tight end
1: in a wide receiver's body, or a wide receiver in a tight end's body, uh, and he's electric to watch. And he had a couple really, really good games, and then he kind of lost his job along the way there. So I uh, I think this is a really, really strange move to the Bears, who seem, by all accounts, are selling, selling, selling. You know, they they, they have signs posted all over Soldier Field letting them know, please, please take take it any cost, all our players are for sale. And then they make this kind of move with a guy that's only got about a year left, a year and a half left on his contract. Um, That it seems a little strange, but it is a, a, it's a buy buy low ish. A second round pick is nothing to sneeze at, but uh, kind of seeing that move really changes my opinion on the bears uh, is that they may be trying to put something around, fields to see if he's the guy.
2: Yeah. Oh, he's huge and uh, you know, super flex right now. Like I don't think you could acquire him if you tried at this point. Um, I just don't get the point of what the Bears were doing here in selling two of their best defensive players and then oh, let's go out and get an offensive player. Like, wait, I what what just happened? You know, like I just I don't see what they were doing, but I think you're right in that they're trying to see if, you know, they want to keep fields you know, out on the field, or if they're going to go for another draft pick, but they've put up some pretty good points against some defenses that I did not expect them to put up points against. And, you know, maybe they can keep it going. They
1: just played two back-to-back top five defenses and one they smashed. And yeah. the other one, they put up more points against Dallas than I don't know, any other team this year. Yeah. It's... Uh, it, it, whatever they have, it's working. And if they can bring in Claypool and show some kind of magic spike with fields and develop a chemistry, they could have something working next year. So that, that's kind of how it makes sense in my head and how I've kind of processed it from the Bears' perspective.
2: Uh, By Claypool. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You want to jump into the last one we got there, the the Lions?
1: Rest in yeah, peace, Big
2: Yeah, he's been placed on IR, so... I think this makes it a coin flip for touchdowns. Like, honestly, you're, you're looking at Adam Thielen, who's a touchdown machine. And then you've got Justin Jefferson, who has only had one touchdown on only had the touchdowns in week one. And then, you know, you've got Dalvin cook, who's a red zone threat. And so it's like with TJ Hawkinson, now it's going to be a coin flip each week as to which one of them ends up with, the the touchdown essentially because they're all red zone threats i think hawkins
1: in the top five tight end rest of the way i mean that's not hot, much of a bar to clear because once you're past you know the elite tight ends it's kind of a crap shoot after that but I, I i think that they're just going to just really develop this offense they're going to flow a lot better i the one thing I'm worried about is, do you think Justin Jefferson might take a hit on his touchdowns? Because he's only had one. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Do you think that affects his possible potential for a guy that everyone's starting every week? He's similar to Jamar Chase. I think I think this really helps the the Vikings offense as a whole
2: as well. He, here's They're a really crazy making- one for you. The Vikings are week 10, so not not this week, but week 10 are nine and a half point underdogs to the Bills. Like what is that, like with this acquisition and like how good their offense really has been playing to still be with now with the Bills, you know, activating white and all that, they're 13 point favorites against the Jets and they're nine and a half point favorites next week against the uh, Vikings. That's just insane to me because the Vikings, I think, are better than that. And I that's that says a lot about what people think of that Bill's defense.
1: Bill Simmons always calls it the good bad team and the bad good team, and there's always one of each every single year. And Minnesota, I mean, they're they, they're stacking up the wins. Uh, they're ugly and they're winning. You know, late, which is great because it's direct contrast to what they've been doing in the past. So. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it, it's possible we're seeing a new Vikings team uh, that that can produce at the end of games. They they've changed up their entire coaching scheme. They've changed up their entire coaching staff. So, we might be seeing a different Vikings team. But I I think that I mean it, it's still out there. I, I don't think we have any determination we can truly make on the Vikings right now. Uh, I, I I still want to see more.
2: Yeah, they get the commanders this week, three and a half point favorites over the commanders, which tells me a lot about what Vegas thinks of their offense there as well. Mm -hmm. You know, to only be three and a half point favorites over the commanders. So, yeah. But they won't have TJ Hawkinson, I don't think, this week. No, I probably will. Not going to lie. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. (laughs) Yep. No, I agree. So, I think Fields is uh great uh we've seen uh what cmc is going to do to this niners offense you know uh, that's where i think jimmy garoppolo's floor is getting higher and higher uh we did see the touchdown pass get thrown by cmc which was pretty crazy but um he had the first triple triple play and uh what since yeah, yeah, it was just insane. That's just nuts.
1: I so, won two championships on the back of Ladanian Tomlinson. Good times. Uh,
2: but I think Justin Fields is, uh, even in single QB leagues right now, is somebody that you have such a, a high enough floor with him right now with how he's they're using him correctly, finally and rolling him out and letting him run and running the offense. Correct. If they keep playing this way and we can see what uh, Claypool could do to that offense, he could end up being a, a great, you know, quarterback or a streamable quarterback.
1: I think fields is an every week start. Um, he can easily be plugged in there. Um, Mariota is a plug and play. Jimmy G is a, a plug and play. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely. What's the news? Yeah. No, what's the news? Well, with the Kenyon Drake, because I think he could be, depending on what the news is on Gus Bus, you know, what have we heard as far as his injury goes? Because if he's going to be out a week or two, I think Kenyon Drake might be my top waiver priority at this week.
1: And one thing I want to mention is we're, we're in bye week misery this this week. We got six teams on a bye So you might be down quite a few options that you you really need to plug and play. So if Gus is out, Drake is a smash start. Naheem Hines is kind of a stash play. So depending on the the needs of your team, if you really need a a running back start this week, plug in, start Drake. Um, If you need someone that can uh, maybe be a plug-in later on this year, uh, Hines is your guy.
2: Agreed.
1: Rondale is the want to own. Um, Joshua Palmer is a guy that I've believed in too many times. So I'm ready to be hurt again.
2: Yeah, Palmer always hurts me. But what about uh you're you know, you're a um you're a Raider fan here. What about what about Mac Hollins? You know, uh last couple weeks he's got the touchdown, eight targets last week for 64 yards. Uh Renfro just doesn't seem to be the same. Uh as he was last year, I mean that whole offense doesn't really seem to be the same. But would you would you look at Hollins at all? Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I just was curious where you how you felt on that one. So,
1: do we have an yeah. update on Waller? Like, what's going on with his injury? Because I
2: think if Waller's back out there, Matt Hollins just plummets his usage. I think Waller he still isn't practicing, as far as I know. Yeah, there's no current updates. I looked; they haven't they didn't practice on Monday, so uh, I haven't seen anything yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not at this time. Yeah, it'd have to be a deep league or a a deep dynasty league, something like that. Uh, I think that'd be the only way. I think the Sun God is
1: going to dominate most of the over the middle receptions. For this team. Um and I, I just think Amun Ra is just gonna take the majority of available tight end targets now that they don't have a dominant one. I do prefer James Mitchell. I think that if you have an open roster spot in a deeper league or a dynasty, he's
2: a he's a good player to monitor. <laughs> well, he's helping. <laughs> uh Vikings, I'm gonna say. Or the uh, no, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. Like yeah. I, I like what Denver got out of the trade. Uh I like the first round pick, but um I think that them taking those three picks that they got. Sorry, Johnson, to bring this up, <laughs> but the three picks that they got for that Trey Lance uh trade and turning that into Waddle, Hill, and now Chubb is excuse me, is massive for their team. Like it they're all in. They've built a great roster around Tua, and they are—they have no choice but to go with Tua now going forward because they, they're they all in.
1: And I think taking a really cheap option for, uh, and a swing with Jeff Wilson, backing up the running back core, which obviously needs an additional depth uh, with losing Chase Edmonds, is going to really benefit them as well. Um, my first pick would be Miami. I really like what Chubb's going to do to that defense and really put pressure on quarterbacks they haven't been able to. Um, I think second is the Vikings. What about you, Jordan? I really like I really like Roquan Smith, but the problem with Roquan Smith is he's a middle linebacker and um you know any interior linebackers tend to be the quarterbacks of the defense and so they really need to study the playbook they need to get comfortable with the guys they need to know where to direct the secondary where to move the line uh, the rushers to go in there uh get the ends in there to tell them when to blitz and when to pull back hear the different plays in their head so it might take a little bit of time to him to get up to speed because the ravens put a really complex set of defensive plays on the field so it might take him a little bit while to get up to speed there so um i think that's a really good pick but it might take a couple weeks to see that one come to fruition
2: the steelers manders or even the colts like i just don't get the trade (laughs) that is true the not moving acres thing or houston you know not moving brandon cooks and yeah. I think Houston's gonna eat that uh, their
1: paycheck, and they're just gonna either cut him or trade him for pennies in the offseason, kind of like the Amari Cooper trade. Uh, the reason I think the Commanders is because they gave up real assets to acquire Wentz. Um, they they don't really know where they are. They're kind of a five. They're a five hundred squad, where their wins are coming against bad teams and their losses are coming against good teams. I don't think they'll make any kind of splash or even make the playoffs and they keep hurting their, uh, their draft pick stock. I don't think they know where they are or where they want to be. And that's why they're the losers to me. No, I just want to, uh, if you have any questions, uh, bring questions. I comment on all of their Twitter posts. So you'll see me across the board there.
2: <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, you can find me at bcff underscore Brandon. You can find Josh. Uh you know the Worth brother here that's usually here with us at BCFF Josh have a good one guys thanks